I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Cinematic Universe, the podcast that is spending this episode out of the Eddie closet. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and joining me is... James Hunt. James, it's just me and you today. It is, because Reese has been off at the London Film Festival. In fairness, I was also off at the London Film Festival, but I did my diligent work and also went to a screening of Venom. Today we'll be discussing Andy Serkis's 2021 movie, Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Um... Yeah, I squeezed in my viewing, James, this <laughs> afternoon whilst my daughter was at um, a, another toddler's birthday party. Um, <laughs> so I, I said, um, I'm going to give a, a not attending to that one. I'm going to go see Venom, Let There Be Carnage instead. And, um, you know, unlike when I went to see um, Nighttime Star the other week and, you know, had to had to carve out like a full four hours in my schedule to be able to go. <laughs> like, I literally just just, you know zip to the cinema in and out 90 minutes i was done <laughs> yeah it is nice and quick you can you can do it um i haven't seen bond because it's so long i did watch a three-hour japanese movie at the film festival but yeah i i think fitting in uh the latest bond whilst doing the lff would be tricky <laughs> yes yeah um Okay, James. Uh, so, uh, Venom, let there be carnage. But before any of that, um, <laughs> James, <laughs> I, I, I'm going to get this um, this out of the way early. Um, can you tell me about any symbiotes that I don't know about yet? Because I feel like this Venom franchise, based on how it's doing at the box office, is going to be continuing for a while. Um, so uh, did we meet, so we met, we obviously met Carnage in this one. Was it Riot in the first one? Is that right? Uh, was it Riot? But tell me about Maybe. the, tell me about the symbiotes, James. Am I, am I going to see a lot more of them? Uh, there are lots of symbiotes. They all have like extremely, <laughs> I can only assume, right, that the symbiote planet has an aesthetic, you know, roughly the same as a metal band. Because they're all called things like rage and like angry or something like stuff like that. Um, there's one called toxin. There's one called hybrids. Oh, uh, I like the sound of toxin. There's, there's one called phage. Like th- the names are frankly lame. <laughs> and, it, and it carnage is the big one, right? Outside of venom, that's the 
Yeah. We've hit the big one here. Yeah. Venom and Carnage are the big ones. I think if you're going to do another symbiote in a movie, um, I would say a good, a good place to go would be Anti-Venom, which wasn't oh. technically a symbiote, but was like a... It was created in Dan Slott's Spider-Man run, and after, you know, for a while, Matt Gargan, the, the Scorpion, was Venom, and Eddie Brock didn't have a symbiote. And right. because of some monkeying around with Mr. Negative's powers, Eddie Brock got his own sort of symbiote-like suit called Anti-Venom. Oh, and he was like an inverted version of Venom, and I think if you were going to do a movie, that would be one, one place to go with it. Sort of like white with black eyes. Yeah, and the you know like a black spider motif. Yeah, okay, but he but he's not a symbiote. He's just a suit. I mean, I don't remember because it was sort of created from Eddie's blood. Um, it was like a power that Eddie had rather than a symbiote that could transfer to other people. I think. Okay. I think. But you could easily make it a symbiote. Yeah. That... Um. The other the other big thing you could do is do a story about Null. Who is the god of the symbiotes? Oh right, okay. Um, now I'm interested. Tell, that's, tell me that's about what, Null. Null is like the Thor of the symbiotes. Okay. If you can imagine such a thing, it, like I've not read the comics, so I can't tell you much more detail than that. But he's like the the ruler of the symbiotes. Like he, you know, runs their planet basically. Um, and if you were he was part of a really big story recently by Donny Cates. There was like a big crossover called King and Black. Um, and I think if you were going to do something with the Venom sequel that wasn't anti-Venom, that would be the next logical place to go just because that, just because the comic was huge. And 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 just to to briefly touch on Carnage, obviously we're, we're going to do this a lot during the, the discussion of the movie. Um mm-hmm. Why is Car- what? How did Carnage become the you know like the 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 other beloved symbiote? Um. So, Carnage was created, I think, in part because you know people responded so well to Venom, they went, okay, well now Venom's kind of a sort of an anti-hero and a basically a good guy. We need someone who's going to be like Venom, but irredeemably evil, to be a foil for him and Spider-Man. And the way they did that was to be like, well, what if a serial killer got hold of a symbiote? Yeah. What would happen then? Okay, so yeah, that okay, that makes sense. We've got we've got a villain. Yeah. He's not a villain anymore. Let's just create a new one and, and basic and basically mm-hmm. what just making Venom but more evil. Yeah, and I mean it was the nineties as well, so there was this kind of trend towards like extreme <laughs> extreme action. Yes. Um, one of the problems actually with with Carnage as a villain is that as a Spider-Man villain, he doesn't really play into the character because he's so powerful and so murderous that like, it's really hard to apply Spider-Man's sort of morality to that situation. Cause by any logical sort of application of morality, the thing to do is just put a bullet in Cletus Cassie as soon as you get the chance to. Yeah, and and it's hard for Spider Man to make that decision. Yeah, He'll... so instead he like tries to capture him multiple times and fails, and hundreds die as a result. Oh dear. 
Well, that was a, a, a cheery wrap up to the <laughs> explainer. There's a reason. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason Carnage as a villain is sort of has diminishing returns because you can he's so thinly drawn. You can only really do the story of like what happens if Carnage gets out once, mm. and then after that you're just doing the same story again and again to you know less fanfare. Yeah. Maximum Carnage was the big one. Yeah. You know, I've, I've heard yeah. of Maximum Carnage. Okay, yeah. we'll 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 park the symbiote chat there, and we will we'll obviously come back to it once we get into our uh, discussion of the movie itself. Um, but before that, James, we uh, we need to do a little bit of news, a couple of things to talk about, and I think the big one um, is that Will Poulter has been cast in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three as Adam Warlock. Mm. Um, so Adam Warlock obviously was teased out, and this seems so long ago now. <laughs> um, I mean, and it and it, it was quite a while ago because you yeah. know, um, James Gunn has gone off and made another film since then. Um, and I think is it you know, and we're going to see even like the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special before we see Volume 3. Um, But Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, when it does turn up, and I think it's about, it's, you know, it's it's heading into production shortly, um, we'll be following through on the promise of Adam Warlock, who, uh, from, you know, it had kind of been speculated that he was going to be showing up since the first Guardians movie and a lot of people mm-hmm. thought that he might turn up ready to play a big part in the Infinity War Endgame uh, crossover. <laughs> that that obviously didn't happen, but he was teased at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 in the post, in one of, what, nine post-credit sequences, but with yeah. the <laughs> um, Elizabeth Debicki's sovereign character. Was it Aisha? Aisha, yeah. Yeah, uh, with her being, her, like, creating Adam. Um, I think we saw his egg. Um, Mm. So, yeah, Adam Warlock is turning up. He's going to be, he's going to be played by Will Poulter. James, do you want to handle the Adam Warlock side of this? And I'll I'll handle the Will Poulter side of this? Sure. So, Adam Warlock is a tedious boar who was created in the 70s. Was it 70s or 80s? (laughs) Maybe, maybe even. I mean, technically, he first appeared in the sixties, but he was sort of a different character then. What's What's um, wrong? He was with just him? called. He was originally called him, and then he became Warlock in the seventies. I think. Um, I don't know. He's just he's one of those cosmic characters who sort of fell out of favor. Um, that whole side of the universe, in fact, fell out of favor with Marvel just as I was getting into it. So I just see him as like this kind of holdover from a different era um he's sort of thanos's nemesis he spent a lot of time running the infinity watch who protected the infinity gems um when i find him i just find when i read him i just find him sort of quite flat as a character quite humorless and just full of just full of hot air like he's very powerful, very moralizing, um, and yet at the same time inscrutable in that sort of cosmic Marvel cosmic way. Um, I find him not great. Okay, but based on what you know about the character, yeah, what do you th- and and obviously the way he is being introduced in Guardians Three, which is 
connected to the sovereign. Yeah. How do you how do you see him playing within the MCU? Because I'd be surprised if he is a tedious bore. And obviously, <laughs> and obviously, he doesn't he doesn't have all of the Thanos stuff and the Infinity well, Watch and all that kind of stuff. Part of me is hoping he's going to pop out of his cocoon and be like, "Where is Thanos? I I need to protect the Infinity Gems." And they're going to be like, "Listen, we've got some bad news for you." Well, we've got good and bad news. <laughs> Yeah, good and bad news. The good news is um, we've got it covered. The bad news is your entire reason for being is gone. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I like I don't know. I I would guess I would guess the way they're going to play him is as like the ultimate straight man to the Guardians is like bumbling idiots, and maybe he's going to be the head. Like, okay, if I was if I was making this story. He would be the guy who was considered himself the logical guardian of the galaxy. Yes, okay, yeah. And he is a foil for Star Lord. Like, no, this is what this is the kind of stature of the actual guardian of the galaxy. This is what you should be like. You're just a bunch of fuck ups. Like, stop stepping on my turf. You're just getting in the way. And you could. I... If that's what they do, they could kind of do that same thing with Nova, couldn't they? Who's an, another mm-hmm. character who has been, you know, yeah. uh, you you would imagine if you're going to introduce that character, you'd do it in the Guardian side of things. Yeah. And the thing is, like, the way James Gunn's approached the material so far is that he's had, you know, specific takes on characters and they've been sort of quite loose with how they adapt the comics. So I would be wary of uh, staking, you know, putting a stake in the ground about any particular version of yeah. Warlock that's going to show up. Because you, um, you could kind of see that he could just be, you know, very much like the Sovereign, like golden, pompous, entitled. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in this in this kind of argument with the with the Guardians of the Galaxy and with Peter Peter Quill and Rocket in particular, I guess, like kind of right. <laughs> they, they did just yeah. <laughs> they did just get stolen from. They did get they did get disrespected. They're they're probably right mm-hmm. to be pissed off. And that yeah, that I I could kind of see him being as you said, like a very a very straight man who is like yeah his his kind of yeah it, basically just you know another version of the sovereign but kind of the uh, a major character within the movie or i could i could see them maybe even playing it like like he's a like an airhead you know he's this he's this yeah, golden that's... golden ditzy airhead <laughs> that turns up and actually he's He's kind that's of, one of the... dumber but more powerful than the Guardians at yeah, the same that's time. That's one of the things I was going to say is they could play him as like this kind of himbo character who's just taking the credit for everyone else's work. Like, who knows? Now, Will Poulter isn't the actor that I would immediately think of if you are going himbo direction. Uh, but mm-hmm. but we've obviously seen people get uh, buff for the Marvel movies before and like <laughs> I, could, I could see that happening. But... He is an actor that I really like. So I don't know about you, James. I was introduced to him in his screen debut in Son of Rambo, where he plays um, 
the iconic Lee, mm. Lee Carter, whose full name is spoken many times throughout the movie. Um, <laughs> he's then he was then really good in Wild Bill, and uh, you know, loads of credits. Um, he's actually really he's really funny as kind of like the nerdy idiot in Where the Millers, which isn't a great movie, um, but he does a good job in that in a like you know a, a you know a studio comedy in the in the US um yeah, sure. he he was in I'm, I'm just looking looking at his credits now the maze runner uh, the revenant the revenant war machine not that one um <laughs> detroit was a big one that i think probably like missed the mark it, he's he's the he is the inciting incident cop in that one, in the Catherine Bigelow movie. Um, and then I think more recently, um, where he's probably got a lot of attention, he was um, in Black Mirror Bandersnatch. James, did you play, did you pl- watch yeah, yeah. slash play Bandersnatch? I did experience Bandersnatch, yeah. So he's the guy at the start, he's like the Saki guy in the, um, in the yeah. game studio, and I, I thought he was really fun in that. Um, yeah, and then also really good in Midsommar as well a couple of years ago, um, and I think he's I think he's got dramatic and comedic chops, and um, I kind of love this casting. He's not he's not re- <laughs> he's not he's not really like he he doesn't seem like anyone else in that cast, um, and so yeah, I'm a, I'd, I am on board. If you I I don't think you know if you just said who do you think is playing Adam Warlock. I'd have probably mentioned a hundred names before I got to him. Um, yeah. But, as you say, I, we don't know what this character's vibe's going to be in the movie. Um, so I am I am just going... Uh, I kind of like... I, I kind of like the vibe of that actor in that world. Yeah, I think he sounds like a good choice, and I think you've made a good case for him existing in that universe too. And... Uh, it, do you know what? Actually, probably in a similar way to Elizabeth Debicki wouldn't have been someone I would have thought originally would have made sense in a Guardians of the Galaxy movie. And she's one of my favourite things about that sequel. Um, mm-hmm. And if and he's on that side of things as well. I'm assuming that because they are following up on that plot line that we're going to see Elizabeth Debicki back as well. So Yeah, um, you would hope. Yeah. I'm on board. So Guardians of the Galaxy <laughs> 3. I think they're filming the the holiday special thing while they are uh, that's, while they're making the the main movie as well. That's what I believe to be the case. Which uh, yeah, probably makes sense from a cast avail- availability point of view. Um and then obviously we're going to see the the bulk of the Guardians I think at the start of Thor Love and Thunder as well. So um mm-hmm. I thought well we're assuming the start, aren't we? That's where unfortunately it seems like we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna miss the Asgardians of the Galaxy movie that happens in between. But um <laughs> Yeah. Um so yeah, that is the Adam Warlock news. And then James, just a brief bit of Hawkeye news as well. Um Hawkeye is going to be uh, we got we got a new trailer, kind of more footage, uh, a lot of the same footage, but a couple of extra little bits and really dialing up really dialing it up a, i think it refers to it as a holiday event series in the <laughs> in in the new trailer um um also um which obviously i never think about this from a uk perspective but 
it's debuting on November the 24th. Uh, so they're like, it's it's a Thanksgiving show. <laughs> a what? <laughs> so Like those episodes of Friends, right? So Thanksgiving, James, um, <laughs> let me explain it to you, is when once a year I get to watch three games of American football on a Thursday night. Okay. It's, yeah, it's... it's uh, is I believe it... it's roughly equivalent to the UK's Harvest Festival, which is when we get rid of all the tinned food we don't want. <laughs> yeah, that's ex- that's exactly it. Um, yeah. So this is actually the day before Thanksgiving, I think, the 24th. Uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. so it's a Thanksgiving show. And uh, I, I, I guess probably the big news here certainly is for my podcast schedule that I keep on, on Google Docs, James, is that... Um, the first two episodes are both dropping on November the 24th, um, which is a bloody pain for our Patreon. Um, yeah. But yeah, so um, Hawkeye uh, will get episode one and two on November the 24th, which should mean it should all finish on December the 22nd in time for Christmas. Um, and also just after um, Spider-Man No Way Home is released. Uh, will we get a crossover? <laughs> Probably not. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so it's going to be a, a busy Christmas and New Year for us, James. We get, we've get, we got we've got Spider-Man No Way Home. We've got Hawkeye. We've got the Cuppies, of course. And we you can't forget the Cuppies. Yeah, looking forward to it. Um, yeah, I think we might have a... We, we might have a Howard T. Duck Award contender <laughs> to be discussing today. <laughs> um, James... Uh, aside from the scheduling woes, um, where, where are you at with Hawkeye in terms of anticipation? We all know that I'm hyped. <laughs> <laughs> it's my Hawkeye. But where are, you, where, where, where are you getting to with Hawkeye? Because, you know, I think it's fair to say that you've been on a bit of a roller coaster with the Disney Plus shows this year. Yeah, yeah. Um... I mean, I'm, I'm my expectations after the last couple of Disney live action shows are so low, so low, um, that I'll be surprised if it can disappoint me at this stage. You know, I'm not a big Jeremy Renner fan. I do think Haley Steinfeld is great, and the comics they're drawing on are some of my favorite. So, it's a mixed bag expectation wise. Um, I would like it very much if this show was about something in the way that Winter Soldier and Loki weren't. Um, I think Falcon and, if there's I anything... think Falcon and the Winter Soldier felt like it was it was trying to be about something, but it I, yeah. it wasn't coherent enough to to discuss it in an interesting way. Whereas One yeah. Division was definitively an exploration of grief, and Loki yeah. was definitively an exploration of setting up the multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think WandaVision I have very few problems with. I really enjoyed it. The only reason I wouldn't rewatch it is because it's just sort of quite long and not ma- not massively entertaining. And I kind of I, I kind of feel like James I did rewatch it two or three times as as we were going yeah, through. Yeah, because we watched it as we were going yeah. yeah. Um but, you know, I like that. I think it's, you know, what, a four-star TV show, whereas the others have been two-star TV shows. Yeah. Um, but then again, I really enjoyed What If. So maybe, yeah. you know, 
maybe there's a 50-50 chance that uh, Hawkeye is great. And I, 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 and, and I do wonder, right, so if you look at those shows so far, I think WandaVision was clearly conceived as a single season thing that was was more kind of wrapping up character stuff from yeah from the movies we'd seen already and yes that Wanda will go off and there's you know little bits of setup which you know every every disney every mcu thing has bits of setup but broadly <laughs> it was the end of a story and onto it onto something new rather than Loki, which I think felt like less a wrapping up that character and more, you know, the facts that we're the facts that we're getting a season two of that show, the facts yeah. that Falcon and the Winter Soldier, you know, could have quite easily had a season two. Instead, it's getting a Captain America. Follow-up it's movie. getting a, fal- yeah. a, a it's getting a Captain America four movie. Yeah, so like those shows felt like they were continuing something. This, I, I, I'd be stunned if. Hawkeye is setting up a season two of Hawkeye, unless that season two of Hawkeye is a Kate Bishop show. So, like, it does it. It does feel to me like this is probably the last of Jeremy Renner. Um, you know, I could, I, mm. I could be wrong, but I wonder whether this is. You know, it just makes sense, right? That character. All he fucking wants is to be a wife guy. All he wants to do <laughs> is be married to freaks and geeks, and he wants to be <laughs> hanging out with his kids, and that's and that's it. He doesn't want to be doing this superhero shit anymore. Like this feels like a, you know, the Shane Black vibes of like, uh, you know, I'm a week away from retirement. <laughs> too old for this. Yeah, yeah, I'm too old for this shit. I just can we can can we just get this out of the way and then. And then I and I kind of see like the vibe with Kate Bishop is probably going to be more father figure mentor than it is going to be anything else. And yeah. um, you know that's that's for me that's what the Hawkeye character has been. Um, and if you can draw those parallels between this is a guy who has only ever really been doing it to protect the people around him and probably has a mm-hmm. massive sense of guilt coming out of the events of Endgame, which I think will play a major part into this as well. I guess yeah, that the thing... The... And, 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 and I would... Sorry, last last sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> the thing that I would also argue is I think that probably in terms of how how the how the weight, how the emotional weight of what the MCU has done to them, um, Hawkeye feels about as underserved in the movies as Wanda did. Like he actually feels yeah. like a pretty close parallel to her that we've, it's always been like, you know, like the stuff in Endgame really didn't, it like we, we, it didn't get a second to acknowledge. I, I mean, I hated that subplot, but it didn't get a second to acknowledge, you know, how would it feel if you had to get that haircut? <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we can really dig into that in, in Hawkeye. Yeah, no, I think I think you know the big the big unanswered thread is how does Black Widow's death affect Hawkeye? You know, that of everything with Hawkeye, that's the thing I sort of want to see is like how does he 
how does he take it and how does he go on after that? Because really, for me, that's his only interesting relationship. Yeah, because like obviously he's got his he, kids in his. And wife. how does he? Yeah, and how does he protect those people around him in a way that he yeah. failed to with Natasha? Yeah, and I think you're right. This is probably his sort of retirement tour. Um, I think there's a good chance we'll see him back for cameos and stuff. Yeah, it, um, it would be really. You know, if you to. do, if you do a Young Avengers movie, of course he turns up. But you're right. It's it's sort of hard to keep writing Hawkeye into the story when. You know, he doesn't want to be a superhero. He was a career secret agent. And because of that, he's been wrapped up in all this, like, nonsense. Yeah, S.H.I.E.L.D. Shield doesn't exist anymore. His, yeah. you know, the people... You know, the were... Avengers yeah. are radically different to what they were when he joined. His mates who were Avengers... Are, <laughs> are gone. Most yeah. of them aren't around anymore. And he personally is on a completely different power scale to the actual Avengers. Yeah. Who are all like, you know, gods and monsters level stuff. So, Yeah. And then, James, I'm just hoping that beyond all of that, that the show is able to take take some of the stuff. I don't want it to, you know, directly adapt what it did, what the Fraction Aya series did. But if it if it's able to take some of the successful elements and transfer them across and maybe take some of that comedic tone across... That would be great. Because that series, you know, we, we will get into it when we discuss it on the Patreon, but that series does a really good job, I think, of being kind of consistently funny whilst it all, it, like, the threat levels also feel consistently high. Um, mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I can't, I, yeah, I, I think if they can, if they can translate the vibe of that comic into this series, then, um it will be a great success. Definitely. Oh, I'm excited, James. I genuinely am really excited. <laughs> <laughs> I worry for you that you are excited. Uh, I'm as excited as I was when I turned up to the screening of Infinity War in my Hawkeye t-shirt and then... <laughs> he wasn't in it. Ah. <laughs> uh... Anyway, as I uh, as I think back mournfully to that Infinity War screening, um, we should move on, James, to our discussion of Venom. Let there be carnage. Uh, let's take a quick listen to the trailer, and then we'll be back with to begin with our spoiler-free thoughts on the movie, um, and then we'll we'll give you a proper flag when we move into full spoiler territory. We should be out there snacking on bad guys. I am a predator. I need to be free. You have got to get control of your aggression, or you will get hauled off into Area 51. You live in my body. You live by my rules. I'm sorry. I don't know what came over me. Please let me fix it. So I can bring it again. You are a loser. Betty Brock, I want to give you my story. People love serial killers. Please, why me? What's mine is yours. And what's yours is mine. I have tasted blood before, and that is not it.
I ever wanted in this world is carnage. for you. That was going to be us. Hey, I'm happy for you. No! God, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. This dude needs some serious couples counseling. James, Venom, let the carnage. Uh, should we do it? As, we, as we're going to insist on calling it throughout the entire podcast. <laughs> is it a spoiler to say that Let There Be Carnage is a line in the movie? <laughs> <laughs> they must have put that in the trailer, right? Yeah. I wasn't really fully engaged with the marketing around this movie. Um, <laughs> sh- should we do a brief recap on where we were with the original Venom? Sure, although I'm dying to hear what you thought of this one, because as of as of this point, we've not discussed it. We've not talked about it at all, no. We, we don't know. So, uh, but yeah. so, James, my take on the first movie was, it is, it, it's, just like staggeringly incompetent in the way that it is put together like Mm -hmm. it it's the the direction is terrible it feels like it has been torn apart in the edit room um and but amidst all of that chaos there is this weird tom hardy performance in the middle of it both as eddie brock and venom and Mm -hmm there was kind of something like chaotic there that I liked as well. And I did, I did kind of glom onto being like, I like what Tom Hardy's doing. I like that he's swinging for the fences. And whilst this is all, I think objectively bad, what's happening around him. I kind of enjoyed this movie. I kind of liked this movie. Um, so yeah, I was kind of re- I was really interested going into this sequel whether it would be able to to kind of recapture that for me that lightning in a bottle of there's something interesting about this despite the incompetence because if you te- <laughs> if you tear the incompetence away are you able to retain that kind of yeah, that the, the chaotic good in the middle, um, and so, so and so yeah. So, uh, but you, you, I seem to remember you being closer to it's just nonsense <laughs> the first time around. My, so my experience of the first movie was that I don't think the first sort of forty-five minutes to an hour pre-venom. Were, yeah, the pre-venom stuff, like that stuff, went on so long and was so dull and confusing 
And then when Venom showed up, it became this sort of fun, like, man with two brains thing. And I enjoyed that stuff. Um, But yeah, I thought the first hour of that movie was just a total mess. And I have no desire to rewatch it. (laughs) So... Where, where does it is the second one an improvement for you then? <laughs> improvement is a difficult word to use. <laughs> uh, I had I'm I had so l- I've been looking forward to discussing this movie with you since <laughs> I saw it. I had a great time, but I think I was mostly laughing at the movie because I think so so many of the choices they made were just flat out insane. I think they definitely lent into the stuff that worked about the first movie, and I can credit them with that. There's uh, and, and the same I time, think the, the purest distillation for me of what works about the first movie, and this is ironically before we go full, full kind of mm-hmm. like buddy duo inside of Eddie's head. Um, is the is the lobster tank scene right in the restaurant where yeah which gets referenced in this movie um yeah. where he just throws himself into a fucking lobster tank <laughs> you're like what is tom hardy doing and apparently he just <laughs> ripped that whilst they were whilst they were filming um yeah. he's and, and he's a big creative force on this franchise it's like you know i think he's I, got a story by credit as well on this one that's so. why he wants to do this because he gets to exert what he, he gets to get out of it, what he wants rather than, mm-hmm. I guess, you know, as he was originally going to do, turn up as Rick Flag in the Suicide Squad movies. Yeah. He's probably just another cog there, isn't he? He's not. Yeah, indeed. So yeah, so you wouldn't describe it as good. I, I wouldn't <laughs> or describe an improvement. it as good. <laughs> I mean, it, the ways in which it improves on this movie are there are less of the boring stuff where it's trying to tell an actual story and it's a lot shorter so they get into everything much more quickly. The The concerns I had are that, like, for me, the everything that's good about the film is shown in that sequence where Venom is making breakfast for Eddie, which is in the trailer. Right, yeah, um, great sequence. That stuff, yeah. And everything that's bad about the movie is uh, encompassed whenever Woody Harrelson is on screen <laughs> trying to act against Tom Hardy and failing because this performance isn't big enough. But it is big. <laughs> it's pretty big, but it's not big enough it's not... against Tom Hardy's Venom. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I would agree with you. Um, it, it, this is the second Venom movie in a row that I cannot in any good conscience say is a good movie. <laughs> but I just had such a great time, James. Like, I, yeah. I, and I don't think it, 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 it is not, it's not on the levels of incompetence that the first movie was. And I, I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of stunned that they were able to pull it off where... I think they do I think they do retain that chaos in there mm-hmm. and they retain that kind of like I can't believe that this was the story decision or I can't believe that this was the <laughs> the line in the scripts that got signed off yeah. in 
you know, a a, a, a major superhero comic book movie in, in 2021. Because, like, <laughs> so, so much of it, you're like, what? <laughs> Why is... How did this happen? How is this? How did this happen? Why did this happen? Um... Who made this story decision? Why did... The, how did this page of the script stay in? And yeah. yet, it's 97 minutes long. And I think whilst it feels like it has a... I, I think it feels like it has a duty to do the Carnage story. So that, mm-hmm. that, so that we've got Cletus Cassidy... At some point, he's going to become Carnage. He's a kind of evil... He's an evil version of Eddie, and Carnage is an evil version of Venom. And eventually, we're going to have a big CGI fight between them. And all of that stuff has to be in there. We have to do all of that. And it feels like that that's the side of the movie, whilst I think is boring... Um, it does function as a story. It functions as a story way better than what they did in the first one. Yeah, absolutely. With Riz Ahmed and and Raya, I think we've we we are just guessing that that's who it was. <laughs> um, that rings a bell in the back of my mind. Um, yeah. It's done a lot more competently, mm-hmm. but because Venom is there the whole way through the movie, I don't mm-hmm. think there is, I, and and I think that's probably where they've hit the sweet spot with this. Which again, I need to be clear, is not a good movie, but <laughs> but is an entertaining movie. Like I don't think Andy Serkis particularly like. I don't think it's a well directed movie. I think you know like a, a lot of the performances. Um... No, I don't think. I... I don't, no, I don't even think. Of, I, mean, I, I was think I was going to the... say a lot of the performances aren't very good. I just think it's that the the Woody Harrelson Naomi Harris side of the movie isn't very interesting, and weirdly, these two characters who would be the zaniest characters on screen in anything else, <laughs> yeah, um, aren't here. Um, and that's for me. For me, like the the thing about Andy Serkis is it feels like he just sort of got out of the way and went, you know just just be big and have fun and i'll make it look like a movie at the end yeah and 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 he obviously i you know i'd imagine he was brought in to a large degree because of his performance capture expertise yeah like (laughs) you know it's fair to say that at this stage of his directorial career you know he's not it like I remember, I haven't seen Breathe, but I remember it getting absolutely savage when it came out. And the Mowgli mocap movie similarly wasn't very warmly received and, and kind of looks really cheap. Um, but has this incredible voice cast. Um, and I and I think he is someone that's popular within the industry. Um, mm-hmm. And that, yeah, maybe it was just like, you know, Tom Hardy going, okay, here is... Here is this specific bit, bit, of, bit of expertise. That's kind of all we need. And can you just let me? Can you let me do my weird shit? Yeah. And yeah, it's funny. You like uh, Woody Harrelson. I couldn't stop thinking about Natural Born Killers watching this movie because you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like intentionally, I think. Yes, it, intentionally. Woody Harrelson is basically doing that, and Naomi Harris is uh, Francis Barrison slash. <laughs> shriek uh which we will need to get into once we get into spoilers james she's you know so there's this you know this 
like star-crossed lovers' story on their side of the movie, and it, and, it, and whilst both of them are just like very happy to murder anyone and everyone in their path, um, <laughs> just proper sociopathic. That's it's just from the start of the movie. It's just like we're not we're not going to attempt to do much kind of rationalization of this like they're just <laughs> they're just pretty evil people um I, I, and yeah and then like the, but then all of the all of the stuff at the other side of the movie and like James I thought Michelle Williams who you know when she got cast in the first movie you're like the fuck is she what the fuck is Michelle Williams <laughs> Why is she doing? Yeah. signing up so she just seemed like she was having the best time making this movie yeah, she really really went for it just really you can see in her scenes she is just like this is great i'm having fun i'm probably getting paid a really nice <laughs> bit of money and i'm in a movie where the the guy that i'm acting opposite has all of this creative freedom and he's probably telling me to do whatever the hell i want to do as well and I thought mm-hmm. I thought she was great. I thought she was really fun. I thought Reed yeah. Scott was really fun um, <laughs> uh, in 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 his kind of um, thankless role. It is it is thankless, but that's kind of the gag. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then and, and uh, yeah, maybe we can talk about Stephen Graham in a bit, who is like who's playing like a parody of a <laughs> of a like just grizzled cop who's <laughs> <laughs> who's just frustrated by everyone around him yeah <laughs> um but yeah so i i did have a great and, and like yeah there's there's something in being in and out in just over 90 minutes as well and yeah i mean the thing for me right is that i was like people who saw it with me can verify it. i was laughing just the whole way through like there was no no point in this movie where i went more than 15 minutes without something making me like properly belly laugh because i just thought it was so much fun and so surprising um again you can't call it a good movie because of that stuff but i can't deny that i enjoyed it and i enjoyed the experience and i kind of find it you know within the spectrum of these things but a refreshing change of pace to everything else that we get <laughs> like i don't i'm trying to think that any anything like it does it does in a way feel like a you know we, we were talking about ghost rider spirit of vengeance last mm-hmm. week. it does feel like it has a kind of a vibe of a superhero movie that came out you know in the ghost rider blade kind of era where it's <laughs> It's a little bit darker. The budget's a little bit smaller. The studio doesn't care as much, you know. Like the, yeah, the, yeah. the, 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 the like uh, uh, the the probably the volume of studio notes isn't there in a good and a bad way. That like no one is mm-hmm. going, no one's going. You shouldn't do that. And then also no one's going. No, seriously, you shouldn't do that. <laughs> why is this in your movie? What was... Or, like, can we just polish this script up a bit? Like, keeping all of the weird shit, that's fine. But can we just, like, make some of the lines competent? <laughs> like, yeah. Because, <laughs> um, yeah, that, like, early... Especially in, like, the first 10 or 15 minutes. And, and I think a lot of this, as well, probably comes down to, you know, Tom Hardy is doing the Venom voice as well. Mm-hmm. And you can tell that some of it feels like 
riffs and that they've just got Tom Tom Hardy's probably, you know, just just like figured out what this conversation is between Venom and Eddie and it might not make complete sense but it's kind of funny and it kind of works so we're just we're just going to do it anyway and like the way that the story just like literally the first 10 minutes of this movie <laughs> is fucking whiplash as they try and establish the carnage stuff and Eddie's connection to it and also <laughs> like <laughs> tries to give him a bit of a character reset um the, the montage they do <laughs> where they're just like okay so a thing has happened and now we're going to move eddie from being a loser to being like a celebrated journalist and it happens in about 45 seconds yeah and it and it kind of it kind of culminates with him doing a wheelie on his motorbike yeah. for a shot that lasts <laughs> i would say like conservatively like one and a half seconds at the yeah. end of this montage i was like what the fuck is going on again yeah. um but it doesn't I mean, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel calculated james it doesn't feel like no it no. doesn't feel like they've gone how do we make this shit like the first movie but still entertaining. It feels like they've gone. How do we? How do we make something that that recaptures that first movie and dials up the stuff that people liked about it, um, but try and make it well? And I think that there is. I don't. I don't. I don't know if you could make a movie that feels normal <laughs> with what Tom Hardy's <laughs> doing in the middle of it. And I'm not like mm-hmm. I. I kind of feel like I have to take all of the bad to get the good out of this movie. <laughs> to get the good stuff, yeah. And I'm happy I mean, the... to do it. For 97 minutes, I'm absolutely happy to, you know, kind of go, what the fuck, every five minutes for the, for the <laughs> for me, benefits. For me, like, I'll, I'll call this my last sort of spoiler-free thought. But for me, I feel like this is the kind of movie that when people complain about how Marvel movies are all homogenized and sandpapered down to be, you know, completely smooth, like perfect orbs of family fun. Mm. This is the kind of movie that is the opposite of that. Like it's rough in just about every area. Um, And in a way it's got so much stuff in it, which is an open, like, I don't want to say antidote, like, more of an antithesis to all the sort of glossy superhero movies um in a way that even deadpool couldn't manage like deadpool for all its you know fun commentary about superhero movies was still doing a superhero movie whereas venom feels more like some weird sort of indie monster horror that just happens to fall tangentially within the genre yeah and actually deadpool's an interesting comparison because the first deadpool movie i kind of feel like it had that kind of scrappy spirit to it because they didn't have much money and they brought in a a cgi whiz to do all of that to try and you know stretch out Mm -hmm. that side of the budget and then just and and that weird structure as well to the story right that it's all it's it's all being told in flashbacks yeah uh, with with very little of it actually taking place in the you kind of slowly catch up don't you but and and then the second movie goes like oh no this is what we want it to be we've got the budget now we kind of want it to be a glossy superhero movie yeah. with ryan reynolds cracking wise in the middle of it um 
and it, it, it whereas and it loses it loses something as a result yeah whereas this feels like the kind of the tidied up version of venom that is still scrappy and weird and kind of bad but in a good way <laughs> <laughs> I, I'll be honest, James, I, I, and I feel really weird saying this, but this is the most I've enjoyed watching a new superhero movie this year. Like, uh, I mean, the competition isn't strong, is it? But like, uh, you know, I, I, we said this about Black Widow and Shang Chi, which, which I was like, I kind of feel like, you know, when I'm when I'm putting them both into my letterboxd account, I'm giving them three and a half stars because I'm like, yeah. you know, I kind of like what yeah, I, I like what you're doing with this, and you know, like objectively, like there's there's you know, like when you compare any of the action in this movie, right, to the <laughs> scene in Shang Chi at the side on the side of the building, right, or if you compare anything that this movie is going for, kind of like thematically with I with the you know the way <laughs> that Widow. the way that Black Widow deals with yeah. her history of abuse. I'm I, like I again neither of those. Yeah, like, it comes up short. It doesn't it doesn't compare? But when I think the experience to, is is much better. I I just for the ninety seven minutes that I was watching <laughs> Venom, let there be carnage. I had a better time. I just did. Yeah, no, I I landed in the same place. Like I I think I had a four five star experience. No, not five. A four-star experience in a two-star movie is yeah. what I had. Yeah, yeah, um, and it's why it's why um, to read the review. You know, don't just read the star rating at the bottom because sometimes <laughs> there's a there's a whole story to be told. And yeah, uh, yeah I'll probably I, I don't know I haven't haven't put it in yet. I'll probably put this into my letterbox as a three-star movie because I can't justify putting it in as more. But that that's exactly what you said, four-star experience in a two-star movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, James, uh, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll uh, draw a line here to, of our spoiler-free section. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe, should we pump in a bit of Eminem's Venom song from the first movie <laughs> to get us from this section to the next? Absolutely. I don't, I don't remember it exactly, but I just remember it being a lot of Venom, 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 Venom. So see how that compares to to what you, what you're about to listen to. Okay, James, we're gonna we're gonna go full spoilers now, and I don't think that this is a movie where, aside from one, aside from one, <laughs> aside thing, from one scene, yeah, aside from one scene, I don't think this is a movie where we're gonna be like, oh, we 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 can really spoil this movie for you. I think it's just being able to talk through the plot with with actual specifics. Um, yeah, should we go broadly chronologically because I think the the. Yeah, I think the so. The post-credit sequence that we, yeah, we're on mid-credit sequence that we're absolutely going to get into in some detail um, mm. is is kind of its own separate discussion. So, um, 
So yes, James, we start off flashing back to 1996, which is, you know, like natural born killers era. Yeah. So I know what Woody Harrelson looked like then. And he <laughs> didn't not like that. He didn't fucking look like that. And <laughs> and, and also, like that that actress that they had cast to play Shriek as a as a mm-hmm. presumably as a teenager, like I was like has Naomi Harris aged twenty five years from that? Are we yeah. and 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 are am I supposed to buy this? This goes into some of the incompetence of the film. Like, am I supposed to buy <laughs> Naomi Harris as a contemporary of Woody Harrelson? This is this is one of my things about Woody Harrelson is that I feel like he was trying to play much younger than he is. I mean, he is it just he is fully fifteen years older than, than yeah. Like he's Naomi he's actually sixty now, right? And I, th- I feel like he was trying yeah. to play late 40s, 15 I max. Mean, I will say, I think he looks quite good in it. Because I did, and I, I, I don't know. But I, like when when he was acting opposite Tom Hardy. Like Tom Hardy has got to got to an age now where he has a superbly crinkled forehead, right? Mm-hmm. When he's doing <laughs> all of his weird, like he does a lot of squinting as Eddie. Um, and his his forehead is, is forever consorting into these crags and i was like oh, even woody harrelson's had some good work done or he's aged well <laughs> yeah <laughs> but there is I, uh, there is something weird about that relationship with naomi harris i never really bought into it um i mean there's not a lot to buy into you're just you're told yeah that they are like into each other based on i mean they i i get the impression they barely even met I get the impression that they have probably lived together in this. Uh, it's the Saint Estes Home for Unwanted Children. Uh, yeah. She, uh, she Shriek. We'll just call her Shriek because it's easier. Is then taken to the Ravencroft Institute. Now, James, all of this felt really X Meny to me. The word, <laughs> the word mutation is even thrown out there. Is it? I missed that. Yeah, it's like uh, it, it, she she says when she's in the um, you know when she's in the in the home for unwanted children, she's like, oh they they've said my mutation's only going to get better, worse rather than better or something like that, and and that they're going to take me away from you. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely like yeah, it's definitely like mutation is the is the word that yeah. they use. Um, so what's the Ravencroft Institute? Because that's, uh, when I'm looking at the Wikipedia page, it links through to something. So I'm presuming it is a Marvel thing. The The Ravencroft Institute is the Marvel version of Arkham. That's, right, that's okay. pretty much it. Like, okay. um, in, I think, I could be wrong. I think it turns up in Amazing Spider-Man 2. Dr. Kafka definitely shows up in Spider-Man 2. Is is that the is that the uh, the lady who looks like Helen Mirren in this? I don't know if that was supposed to be Doctor Kafka in this oh, movie, right, okay. but Doctor Kafka is historically the person, the psychiatrist at Ravencroft. Wonder who they named her after, or him after? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So what's what's the deal with Shriek? Because I was assuming here is another symbiote, right? Before the movie came out. I was like, I knew mm. Naomi Harris was in it. I'd, I'd seen that she's playing a character called Shriek. I'm assuming another symbiote. She's not. She's like, she's got banshee powers. 
So is Shriek yeah. is Shriek a symbiote in the comics? No. Right. Shriek is. I think she gets her powers from the Dark Force dimension. Um, okay. I think there was some suggestion that she was a mutant as well. Um, but you know, a lot of characters sort of got bundled with the X Men to try and make them more popular. Um. Because again, it's it's quite a thing to throw at you right away in the movie. Is here is this character who's got a superpower in this universe where you know so far we've only seen symbiotes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've seen Venom and uh, yeah, but it was just here is normal world, but symbiotes. Yeah, like her her powers in the comics are to like heighten people's anger and make them make them sort of crazy and she does that by manipulating sonic you know waves which she can also turn into blasts like i don't think i don't think there's a lot of direct screaming from her but um sound is definitely within her power set okay um uh, yeah i i don't know whether this is this is important you know where she's come from. I kind of get that. I kind of get the impression. Well, I, I can tell I kind you of get the impression that not, but in this in this in <laughs> yeah. this Venom world, <laughs> that they're not really thinking about it. It's just who is Cletus's partner in the comics? Oh, it's Shriek. Okay, yeah. so let's use Shriek. Oh, so she's not a symbiote. No, well, where she gets powers from doesn't matter. Carry on. I mean, in a way, I sort of respect that. Cause, like, yeah, because you don't get a 97-minute <laughs> movie if you don't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's like, um, you know, when Bullseye shows up in Daredevil with, you know, pinpoint accuracy, you're not going like, well, what's Bullseye's origin story? Like, what? Yeah. His, how does he get that power? Did he train? Is he superhuman? You, you sort of don't care. I can kind of buy that as a skill, though, rather than a superpower. Yeah, yeah, because it's because it it feels like a human skill, if yeah, not, like a, know, an an important. absurdly heightened one. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. it's fine. I just thought it was weird, but I was willing to write it off because <laughs> it is weird. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of the first weird things that happens. <laughs> they're in this uh, this home for unwanted children, and and it's kind of later explained to us, James, that. Um, and I don't, you know, I don't know anything about Carnage or Cletus Cassidy, which, uh, what a name, by the way, Cletus Cassidy. <laughs> like, I, so, um, I can, I can kind of see why you would cast Woody Harrelson as a character called Cletus Cassidy more than I can Carnage, but that is what it is. Um, at least he yeah. doesn't have that haircut change from the end. From the end of the first movie. From the yeah, post credits of the first movie, yeah. They just glossed right over that one. Yeah, well, he had a haircut. It's fine. Um, <laughs> we kind of later find out in this in this sequence, I actually quite liked. So, like, um, Cletus is weird, and he sends like weird. He, he like does lots of drawings and carvings on his wall, and he sends this postcard in kind of like trippy circular text to Eddie at one point. And then when his backstory is explained, it's done kind of coming like in the Cartoons red in the red biro yeah. off the page, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's this, yeah, like this, like heightened backstory of he killed his he killed his grandma and his mum, and then his dad nearly beat him to death, and so and then he was sent to this home for unwanted children. 
Um, with the implication being that he was... Oh, and that he almost died in childbirth, right? And then didn't? Is that the... Yeah, I mean, they mentioned that. I don't know why, because yeah. it doesn't seem to... <laughs> It doesn't seem to have any bearing on the rest of the movie, but yeah, and, and, and it's and, a detail they do mention. And then re- later on, Cletus says something. So, like right at the end of the movie, Cletus says something to Eddie about, like you know, oh, I, I, I just wanted a friend. And did, did you ever ask? You only told one side of the yeah. story. You told the side of the story about me murdering all these people. You didn't tell the story about how I was abused. Um. It's it's some kind of weird last minute, uh, like, like kind of dampen- where's the attempt to sort of retroactively justify everything that he's done, or to retroactively himself. give him at least a bit of character motivation aside from being evil. But I what I kind of liked about just how two D these villains were was it's evil. They're evil. Carry on. doesn't matter. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the benefit of having sociopaths as your villains, is that they can just be predatory serial killers and not have any particular motivation beyond that. Yeah. And I, and I was fine with them having no motivation rather than... Yeah, you know, if he's some... on death row, you can take it as read that he's a bad guy. Yeah. So... He probably deserves it. Probably. <laughs> oh, it, yeah, I mean... We see a lot of bodies. He's a he's a prolific serial killer. Um, so yeah, uh, in in this flashback sequence in ninety six, um, Shriek gets taken away from the home to be taken to Ravencroft, and when she is in the police car, she uses her sonic screen powers, which I would have assumed that's the reason that they were taking her away from there, and they probably should have prepped for this. Um, yeah, but right. She's in the back of a van with uh, a young police officer who has a P Mulligan name tag, and she mm. shrieks at him, and it like destroys his ears. Um, but he manages to get his gun and shoots her, and um, he thinks she's dead. But after she's shot, uh, she loses her eye and is taken off to the Ravencroft Institute and put in like this soundproof booth, which she lives in. Uh, you know, through to the present day. <laughs> now, James, talk to me about Patrick Mulligan, who here is played by Stephen Graham, um, an actor who I like, but is probably giving the most straightforward performance in this movie, I would say. I mean, aside from the fact that he's really amping up the, you know... um <laughs> just the stereotypical nature of of the antagonism of him like yeah he's just like eddie I, I, he like yeah. gets right in his I face who you are, but i hate you yeah he gets right in his face early on doesn't he and go like i don't like right. you by the way yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um in so in the in the comics patrick mulligan is the host of toxin who is a symbiote right um, okay but he's, you know, he's not like a massive, um, not like a massive character who turns up a lot. The thing, I think the thing that is most interesting to me about Patrick Mulligan is that he turns up in a Venom versus Carnage series that was written by Pete Milligan. Fun. Okay. <laughs> and Pete Milligan is like this kind of weird offbeat writer who, you know, would cast a version of himself in the story in a sort of metatextual way 
but I've not read the comic, so I can't say for certain. I mean, and that's what's going on. But you know, to, to seems likely to flash to the end of this story, uh, to of this movie, uh, the last we see of uh, Patrick Mulligan is him um after having been like summarily forgotten by every other character in the yeah. fir- in the third act of this movie it's like it's like everyone walks away from the third act and is like have we forgotten anyone no nope, no don't think so and it just cuts back to patrick mulligan who's alive but now his eyes are kind of shining a little bit like shrieks were um mm-hmm. i'm assuming james if he is toxin in the comics that's what we're setting up yeah and this like, would be some... this would be legit motivation, I think, for not liking Eddie in the third movie. Yeah, sure. And like, there was some weird thing about how Toxin was the thousandth symbiote in Venom's line. I think he was actually Carnage's child, even. Um, I could be wrong about that, but yeah, it was a it was a strange, strange story and an odd choice of character. I mean, that's you know when you said how it like. It feels like a throwback to those sort of mid-naughty superhero movies. The fact that it's got a character whose name is taken from the comics, but who who is otherwise completely reinvented is just another another version of that. Like they went, oh, we'll call him Pete Mulligan because that'll appeal to the... Or Patrick Mulligan, sorry, because that'll appeal to the <laughs> to the kids, yeah. to the comic fans. But we're not going to do anything beyond that nod. And... <laughs> I uh, the the stuff at the end of the movie with him maybe becoming toxin um, also ties into kind of the the origin of carnage which um I don't know if I I don't know what whether this is how symbiotes are created in the comics James but certainly after the first movie it was like okay venom has arrived on earth but so has this other symbiote, and they've both bonded with people, and they're going to fight at the end. This mm-hmm. movie kind of presupposes that, oh, just kind of like little bits of symbiote can get left behind anywhere and just bond with new people. And really, <laughs> and really, um, this is a dangerous business. Letting Venom survive. <laughs> yeah, well, specifically, right in in the comics, Venom gets broken out of prison. Um, I think the symbiote breaks Eddie Brock out of prison. And when he does, he sort of leaves a tiny bit of the suit behind that Carnage bonds, uh, becomes Carnage. Right, okay. And they later said, like, actually, that was specifically the symbiote, like, having offspring. And Carnage is literally the child of Venom. Yeah, he calls him he calls him father in this, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which... Um... Again, just a really weird vibe. No one, no one ever acknowledges it when he says it. He, he calls yeah. him daddy and father, and and it's like, <laughs> oh, why are we saying this? Are we are we gonna start? Are we gonna have this weird like conflict of venom Wait, does... being like, oh, am I get God? Do I have to kill my son? It's like, no, I don't care. There is this sort of vibe of venom being like he wants a surrogate family, so I can sort of see it. Of carnage, sorry, carnage. Like, that's why he goes and gets his girlfriend, and then he's like, oh, you know, my actual family abused me and hated me, you know, I won You mean I won Cletus, friends. Cletus more than... Cletus, Carn- yeah, yeah, Cletus rather than Carnage, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, I yeah, it's not... <laughs> Again, it doesn't not really... Not something that, <laughs> that really lands or yeah. is competently delivered, <laughs> but it's there if it's true. Yeah. Um, 
So, James, in the present day, uh, so yeah, M- Mulligan, who it, who is now Stephen Graham and is a detective, he contacts Eddie Brock and he's like, look, Cletus Cassidy wants to speak to you. You're the only, you're the only person he will speak to. Um, so, with reference to the post credit sequence from the first movie, which apparently happened a year earlier. Now, I can't, I can't remember that sequence, James. I do, oh, specifically what happened in it. Um, and I'm not going to look it up now um, <laughs> <laughs> because my memory was just like it feeling really random at the end of the movie. Like, why is Eddie uh, just why is he going to a, a prison to talk to this random guy who seems who looks like Ronald McDonald and <laughs> seems like maybe he knows something about Eddie and Venom, but he doesn't. Yeah, he, he doesn't. He, it's just. Eddie Brock was the journalist who Cletus spoke to a year earlier. He's now saying that's the only person that I will speak to. So, and this is the this is kind of the nut stretch of the movie because I'm kind of going, well, why does Cletus want to speak to Eddie, and why is Eddie the only person he'll speak to? And the answer is, Mm-mm. it doesn't matter. <laughs> The answer is he said it, so it must be true. Yeah, he said it, 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 it. If it made sense in the first movie, it makes sense in this one. So Eddie goes up to the prison. Seems really bad at being a journalist, right? He's just, yeah. he's like, he's like, because if he does want a normal life and he does want to get back to normal and kind of re- regain when he was, <laughs> he get, Venom keeps saying to him like, "You need to get back on top, Eddie." And 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 he keeps saying like it's just this someone it's literally like um and like a news report in the movie where someone goes Eddie Brock is certainly now back on top and you're like yeah. what <laughs> what do people <laughs> why do people keep saying this as if that's like as if that's like a a, a known status thing like no now he's on top what does that mean he's on top yeah he's on top he's back on top he he he's was back on top he actually, used to be on know. top. And then he wasn't, and now he is again. But what does on top mean? He <laughs> ma- he made like Vice style videos before. <laughs> he made his own YouTube channel. Like what? And now presumably he's like getting freelance to write these uh, Cletus Cassidy profiles, profiles yeah. where where he will literally write anything that the serial killer wants him <laughs> to on the, on the front page <laughs> of the paper. <laughs> the serial killer's like. Get this message out, and then it like literally cuts to that message on the front page, yes. banner headline of a newspaper, and you're like, "No, oh, I guess he must be very persuasive." So or maybe the editor's an idiot. Like, okay. So Eddie goes and speaks to Cletus here, right? And Cletus is like, "Yeah, here is this specific phrase that I want you to get out there, and if you do that, I'll tell you my whole story, and you can write about it." And yeah. Eddie's like, "All right, sure. What's the message?" And he gives him it, and it's kind of like, it's cryptic. something, it's cryptic, it's like the uh, on the cathedral. And then you hear, and Cletus literally says, so as long as you put that in the article, we're fine. Then you cut to, it is the quote on the front of the paper, <laughs> which is then being read by Shriek in her cell. And you're like, hey, like, if you're going to keep Shriek in the cell, why are you giving her the papers? Why are you giving her t- the daily newspaper? Yeah. yeah, that tell her about her ex-boyfriend that presumably could write... Like, I guess the justification in movie is they're kind of enjoying torturing her. Uh, yeah. It has a bit of um Has a bit of a uh, glass vibe, James. <laughs> that stuff. I was thinking she, she's in, like, a magneto plastic prison. Yeah, yeah. Um... 
but yeah, so, and, and then Eddie writes the rest of the story. Um, and that secret code that is sent to Shriek, like, it's meant for her, right? It I assume it sort of doesn't come up again, does it? It doesn't, it <laughs> doesn't it come happens. up again and it doesn't do anything. <laughs> yeah. Ed, Ed, because Cletus, immediately... <laughs> Cletus has no knowledge that Eddie is Venom. It's complete random potluck that Cletus wants to speak to Eddie. Eddie is like, sure, I'll print whatever secret message you want to. Which presumably could be like, to someone out there, like, destroy all the bodies, destroy them now, here's where they are. Yeah. You know? Eddie's like, yeah, no, fine, I'll do that. Bad journalist <laughs> then writes <laughs> then writes his entire life story, which later in the movie um, Cletus reveals like oh, I was really disappointed that I just wanted a friend. I wanted you to be my friend, and you told the wrong half of my story. And it's like, yeah. why, why don't you just tell him? Why don't you tell yeah, well, him, why don't you tell thing, him all it? of it then? He doesn't go back, does he? After he prints that message, because then Venom says to him like. Oh, you know, I've got a photographic memory. Here's all the stuff, and they immediately dig up all the bodies and yeah. So in put, like, in fast track as they're going through Cletus to the death penalty. Yeah. So as they're going, because yeah. uh, uh, again, like you think at the start of this movie, well, Eddie has kind of been haplessly brought in. He's not really thinking this through. So Cletus clearly has some kind of master plan. It turns out he doesn't have any plan. <laughs> no, he's in prison. This interview isn't going to help him break out. It's basically just to say to his girlfriend, if she reads it, who he doesn't really know is alive. Like, mm-hmm. just on the, it's just, just like, oh, maybe I'll get this. You could literally have gone, hey, could you just write a quote about this? Could you write a, an extended passage about when I was a teenager, there was this girl that I grew up with that I really loved. And if she is still out there, you know, she is the person, you know that I actually she's the one person in this world I care about that doesn't need yeah. to be a secret <laughs> it's, it's all it's all such bizarre storytelling choices but yeah Venom looks in this they look in the cell where he's scratched all of this stuff into the window and then they go back <laughs> and this is this is that sequence that changes like a lot of the story in about 45 seconds so there's but there's the great there's the great scene in eddie's apartment which is the stuff it's it's like our first proper venom scene where venom takes over venom's uh, over eddie's hands and draws all of the stuff and then (laughs) and then he sketches out on a piece of acetate which i guess what was just lying around do people still have acetate (laughs) (laughs) does eddie have an overhead projector in his apartment (laughs) (laughs) is that something that's required when you're a vice style reporter um (laughs) and he's like oh yeah okay so this is this is this place here put your acetate up great on your laptop it fits exactly um that's probably where the bodies are so eddie goes and discovers the bodies and then it, but it cuts to james it's not like eddie going like doing the investigating or like contacting someone it seems like he doesn't inform the police he just goes off and finds them and then contacts the press <laughs> and then the press are like uh, we literally cut from the apartment to eddie with like body bags surrounding him everywhere <laughs> being interviewed by this reporter going Eddie Brock, how did you break? How did you find out this about the bodies? And he's like, I just, I don't know. Uh, Eddie Brock, you're back on top. And then, 
<laughs> then yeah, we find out that Cletus now, because all of the bodies have been discovered, uh, <laughs> is going to be given the death <laughs> the death sentence. <laughs> um, and Eddie's back on top, as we've discussed, <laughs> yeah. and then he does a wheelie on his motorbike, and uh, yeah. and it's great. He's 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 back. It's such a it's such a quick such a quick sequence. Like I remember, it's one of the parts of the film where I was just like dying with laughter yeah uh, how quickly it happens you just have to assume they cut so much out of that but i can't again, believe they would have intentionally made it that quick and it, but in retro you know uh, like whilst it feels incompetent i'm sure that there is a more competent way and or a faster way to do that storytelling that's the amount of storytelling that I want to be put into Eddie getting back on top. Like literally, yeah, no, absolutely, you could have yeah. you could have told me at the start of the story. Okay, we're joining Eddie a year later. He did this Cletus interview that you saw last year, and that <laughs> and that kind of got him put him back on top. That 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 got him back the journalistic integrity, and now he's kind of functioning at as the level of journo he was before except now he's got Venom in tow and that there's some good to that because Venom can kind of do some of the investigating for him and there's some yeah. bad, which is that Venom's fucking deranged. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I guess the actual point of that sequence is to show, show like the symbiosis of Venom and Eddie working together, maybe. Maybe, maybe. I think we could have done that in <laughs> any number yeah, of other ways. Um, <laughs> Eddie is living in the apartment with... Um, some, some chickens. chickens called Sonny and Cher. Sonny and Cher. <laughs> so it's established in this movie that the the so venom feeds on brains, and yeah. that actually whatever chemical was in the brains that he liked can actually be found in two other places, and that's chickens and chocolate. Now, well, chicken. It's in chicken brains. Chicken the, brains. Point, yeah. Right? Yeah. He doesn't, he's happy to eat chickens. He doesn't love it, but he will not eat Sonny and Cher, who are now his pets because they are friends for each other. (laughs) Because they care for each other. Uh, And, um, and they then go down to that, that little shop that they were always in, in the first one with the kind of, um, the Asian lady, yeah, who's working there. And, uh, she knows who Venom is as well now. And it's kind of like, Hey Eddie, Hey Venom. Where's it? Oh, we got. Oh, I'm all out of chocolate at the moment. <laughs> and um, the vibe between them now is that they are like a bickering couple. That Venom wants to go out and kind of be a superhero um, and like take out bad guys. <laughs> a lethal protector. A lethal protector, which is a. That's a. That's a. That's the name of the miniseries, yeah. Yeah, that's the. And, and, and that's when he is like a good guy, right? Yeah, well, that's his that's his version of Caped Crusader. He is the lethal protector. Yeah. Um, whereas Eddie is more just like, look, we can't attract attention to ourselves because we've been around... <laughs> You're an alien. Yeah. We, we've been around a lot of weird shit. And if you get discovered, they're going to... A, they're going to know I did all of this stuff and lock me up or kill me. And they're going to lock you up and kill you because you're a fucking alien. Like, yeah. can we... Can we just dial the shit back, eat the chickens, and let's just try and live a normal life? <laughs> and the bickering is the kind of like the fantastic continuation of the stuff in the first movie, which mm-hmm. in the first movie, Venom was much more aggro when they first met, which is, you're a loser, Eddie. 
um, and, and <laughs> softens towards the end of the movie, as we previously discussed, where he yeah. says, on my planet, I'm kind of a loser too, Eddie. <laughs> and there is that vibe with the two of them that, and especially, and I, this is, I think, what I love about the the kind of base level setup with these two, James, is that Venom, like, is... I kind of feel like the, the the imagery and iconography of Venom is, like, it's cool, right? It's, like, edgy Spider-Man. He's, he's all slick and slimy and massive and muscly. Yeah. And, like, he's intimidating and cool. And then you've got Tom, gorgeous, buff Tom Hardy <laughs> with his motorbike and his leather jacket and his... And, and I thought this is a... a James... You know I love my NFL. There is no more. <laughs> there is no more hapless franchise than the Detroit Lions. Uh, <laughs> the Detroit Lions are. They were the first team to go zero uh, sixteen. Uh, other teams have. Uh, another team has done mm-hmm. it since. But the first team to lose all all sixteen of their games in a season. Yeah. Uh, they've never won a. They've never gotten to a Super Bowl despite being one of the kind of older franchises in the NFL. It's so perfect that he would be a Lions fan <laughs> and that yeah. he's walking around in this Lions varsity jacket for the majority of this movie. <laughs> and that it is these two guys who ultimately, yeah, they bicker and both of them are equally frustrating to the other one. Um, but they've got to this point where you can tell that they both kind of... Venom particularly is like he's content with this Eddie situation. He just needs Eddie yeah. to stop being such a pussy and go out and actually fight crime and kind of let him eat the let him eat brains. Whereas Eddie's like, look, this would all be great if you would just give up the fucking brain eating shit. Yeah, if you would just be a bit more chill. But and uh, but the fact is, they are both losers. They are they are both like kind of like just. Just kind of idiots that are perfect for each other, and I and I love that that's where they've landed in Venom because Venom could be such a fucking edge lord. Well, like Venom in the comics has none of this like loser vibe. Like he's not upset. Like he's not got this weird sort of sentimental side where he's like, "Oh, I can't eat the chickens because they're in love." <laughs> like Venom in the comics is. You know, a sort of classic anti-hero with his twisted morality, but he is he is as cool as the visuals in the comics. Like, there's none of this loser vibe. He's also kind of got a bit of a like um, a bit of like a, a toddler kind of like like um, Hulk in Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, yeah. Where he kind of lashes out, and the like, there's a lot of pettiness. Um, but he kind of does just want to be loved. <laughs> he does just, <laughs> he does just want to get get along with Eddie. Uh, mm-hmm. But he's not very good at expressing it. Um, <laughs> there was also James, and it's what it's my favorite sequence in the first movie. There was there was always I thought a romantic tinge to it, and I and I whilst I don't think that this movie goes full out and kind of says they're a couple by the end of this movie, it I think it kind of gets as close to doing it without saying it. Like so in the in the first movie there is that sequence where 
Venom transfers between Michelle Williams and Tom Hardy, and it kind of becomes this weird kind of three-way kiss at points, but also there are points where Tom Hardy's making out with Venom. Yeah. And then there's <laughs> there's there's also I I do remember there's like a there's a line in the first movie that like refers to like Venom almost like penetrating Eddie or being being up his butt, you know? Like there is <laughs> there is yeah. there's definitely like a line that kind of weirdly refers to that and you're like Yeah, there is there is something kind of sexual like about venom in the first place right venom in his i mean he's literally inside tom hardy he's literally he's literally inside tom hardy but also in the way that he kind of he's goopy and he slivers like i don't like it and and, and, (laughs) and and like when when michelle williams is wearing venom you know it looks like she is you know, she suddenly becomes like two feet taller, and she looks like she's wearing some kind of like latex, latex dominatrix outfit. Yeah. Like I, I, again, I can only imagine that there are sections of the internet that um, <laughs> that are triggered every time a Venom movie is released. Um, <laughs> I mean, the the only thing for me that sort of gets in the way of this that interpretation of Venom is that. He spends so much of the movie going on about uh, his Anne. his ex about Anne, yeah, yeah. But and, I, and it seems to me like Venom's as in love with Anne as Tom Hardy is. Well, I think it's I think it's that Venom Venom's obsession with Anne is yeah, I want a family. <laughs> like Venom Venom wants <laughs> companionship and family, and it's almost like like oh look, here's someone else that we could spend all day with. It's Anne. Yeah. You like Anne. I like Anne. Let's hang out with her. She's co- <laughs> like she's cool with me. Um, this is yeah. this is fine. Um, she contacts Eddie early on in this movie to tell him that she's now got engaged to Doctor Dan from the first movie, um, <laughs> which Venom is extremely displeased by. <laughs> it's like oh, I hate that guy. <laughs> that's his arc in this movie isn't it going from hating dan to liking dan oh the moment at the end of the movie is like i actually like you dan yeah. <laughs> it's so dumb james but it really took tic- all of this all of the venom stuff really tickled me um yeah i i don't know like and the fact that Anne stays engaged to dan at the end of this movie Anne and dan um i kind of think it is it whether it is romantic or sexual i you know i think is up for debate but i think it's i think there is certainly a eddie and venom are soulmates now that's the yeah these are the two people who are destined to spend their lives together and the Anne thing just isn't gonna work as much as she's cool and we like her and they both like her Mm -hmm. um the, the that relationship now is the is the dominant one and it and it's never yeah. going to be superseded and I, and yeah. I did like the stuff the thread that the movie I guess it's not a thread but the thing that the movie nails home in the middle acts when Venom leaves Eddie after a big fight and goes off and kind of uh, merges with lots of other people is that that relationship it or like it, he he 
finds it physically difficult to survive when mm-hmm. bonded with other people. So, like, literally the symbiosis with Eddie is... Like, he bonds with him naturally, kind of, like, on a di- yeah. on, on a physiological level, bonds with Eddie better than anyone else. Um, but, yeah, they do also seem to get each other. <laughs> yeah, I think... I mean, there's a... So, some of the stuff in this movie comes from a miniseries called Venom the Hunger. Okay. Which is... It's a series in which they make the brain-eating thing canon. Because in the past, it was just sort of like a joke, right? That Venom likes like That he liked to bite off people's heads. Yeah. yeah. But in this one, they say, like, no, fully, he needs to eat brains to survive. Mm-hmm. Because... Or rather, he starts eating brains. And it's because he's trying to get this neurotransmitter... And they go out of their way to say, like, the the neurotransmitter is found in chocolate and it's found in the brains of people who are in love. Oh, okay. And, like, the arc, of the, the arc of the story is Venom, is Eddie Brock realising, like, oh, actually, me and the symbiote are in a form of love together. And, and, that, and that love can feed him. Yeah, the reason, the reason Venom, you know, leaves him at the start is because he's... You know, they're having doubts about their relationship or whatever, and he needs to go and get this neurotransmitter from elsewhere. Yeah. And at the end of the comic, I'm pretty sure it's this comic, there's a scene where they're, like, sitting on bed to, like, together, together. Like, Eddie's sitting on the bed eating, eating chocolate so that Venom gets the neurotransmitter he needs. But also, I think, like, the symbiote is, like, holding hands with him. Like, he's fully inside his body. But, you know, his arm has sort of come out and they're holding hands together while lying on the bed. Like, just his arm has sort of come out yeah. of Eddie's arm. Um, So, you know, I think that interpretation of the character has been around. It's not one that gets lent into a lot. But I think, I think it's notable that this comic takes that beat mm. about him needing the neurotransmitter and being able to get it from brains or chocolate. Because it means they read that series and that it's, it's influenced them in some way. Yeah. Like I said, I, I, I would not have felt bad about the movie being explicit about... Uh, yeah, I would, I, I would have... If, if it had been explicit about that stuff in the third act and went, and went actually, do you know what? Us loving each other would do that job. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, like I said, I think that Hardy's performance leans hard enough into it that... <laughs> I could, I could, I could kind of bite. You know, if they just said that in the first act of the next movie, I'd be like, "All right, okay, yeah, yeah." We Venom does. Venom doesn't need to feed anymore because Eddie's giving him everything he needs. Well, you know, they do end this yeah. movie lying on bed together. Yeah. Um, James, we then we then go back to Cletus, who is uh, uh, yeah about to be killed by lethal injection, and he invites Eddie to the prison. Um, to attend his execution except that he doesn't just attend the execution he goes and visits him in his like holding cell yeah. and then cletus is now angry because he blames eddie for being the one <laughs> who's getting him murders, killed yeah. yeah and he provokes eddie by again so he says something to eddie about eddie killing his mom in childbirth yeah um and then um, and Venom, <laughs> Venom rises to the bait rather than Eddie, and kind of grabs him and and uh, slams him around his cell. 
and then Cletus bites Eddie's hand um, and gets some blood in his mouth. And then Cletus is like, I've tasted blood before. You're, that's not normal blood. What's going on? And then <laughs> you see him wipe it away from his mouth and like the little symbiote stuff is in Eddie's blood. So <laughs> part of the symbiote is now in Cletus. Um, then when Cletus does... Uh, d- well, this this kind of happens simultaneously with the with the big kind of breakup scene, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and 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 we've had the we've had we've also had that breakfast scene in the middle of this. So Eddie's feeling kind of down because Anne's <laughs> Anne's engaged. Venom's trying to perk him up, and Eddie doesn't want to hear any of it. He's like, I'm I'm, I'm trying to make you feel this. The scene when Eddie's driving away on his motor motorbike as well, James, and um, like he lays He's trying to crash him. And and then and then Venom goes. I'm going to allow that because you're sad right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the thing about that breakfast sequence that cracks me up is just how like ineptly Eddie uh, Venom is making breakfast, <laughs> and like Eddie's just sort of resigned to his fate. Yeah, just like uh, what? Uh, it's such a funny sequence. Like that was that for me is what the movie like. That's everything that is good about the movie is happening in that scene because it's yeah. weird and funny and like it, it does have a genuine emotional core to it, which let, not everything in this movie does. And let me say something, James. I would take a crack at that breakfast that Venom makes <laughs> at the end. It's like a mountain of breakfast foods. Oh my god! I just I was laughing so hard already, and then the bit where he just gets the ketchup over the top of it, <laughs> <laughs> like he squeezes the ketchup and it just like explodes in his face. <laughs> i was properly like unable to breathe with how funny that was and that's one of the moments where i was laughing because it was actually supposed to be funny yeah yeah and then and then so yeah it's after that sequence that he goes to visit cletus in the jail and then it's afterwards eddie's really annoyed that he lashed out at Mm -hmm. um at cletus because he's like look this is another thing you're going to expose us um you've you've just like attacked we've 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 now attacked someone in death row in their cell and uh, and i (laughs) then it really does feel like from venom side of things that he's just he's hurt with the way that that he's like look i've been trying here man i made you your i made you the breakfast i'm trying to make you feel better about Anne. And you just keep throwing it back in my face. Well, screw you. I want to go out there. I want to be a superhero. And if you're not going to do it, then fuck you. I'm off. Um, <laughs> and so <laughs> they have a big breakup. And uh, again, they, well, they have a fight. And he smashes his TV. Yeah, they, well, they have a fight where he literally... domestic... He yeah. literally... His, so there are sequences here, right, where the head is coming out from Eddie and kind of talking mm-hmm. to Eddie front on. And he literally headbutts him, <laughs> head him again to try and fix the nose, which Eddie does not take well to. Um, and yeah, and then smashes his $2,000 TV... Um, which James, uh, did you did you notice that that when, it was a Sony Bravia? Yeah. When, well, certainly when it was being replaced, it was a Sony Bravia <laughs> with a big Sony Bravia box, and someone walks yeah. in and says, "Nice TV." <laughs> no, it's Stephen yeah. Graham, isn't it? He's like, "Nice TV." <laughs> like, okay, this is almost as bad as Amazing Spider-Man Two <laughs> and those those old Vio laptops. Um, yeah. Although I've got to tell you, James, I've I've got a Sony Bravia TV, and I'm very happy with it. <laughs> how much so, we get him how much we get paid for that 
if Sony do want to sponsor the podcast, <laughs> um, I've had it a few years now. I would be willing to, to you <laughs> consider know, an upgrade. Yeah. To consider an upgrade if they want to send it to my house with maybe I don't know the new 4K Blu-ray of Venom, let there be carnage, <laughs> and a PlayStation Five, and a PlayStation Five, and maybe a, a, a pre-release of the next Spider-Man game. All of that's fine. So let's see what let's see who from Sony's <laughs> listening to this and, and, and what turns up. Um, so they have the big fight. Oh, and then Venom smashes up the motorbike. <laughs> <laughs> this act of true spite. Um, so yeah, they've now broken up. Eddie is left on his own. And I liked the moment James Reed just lays down on the carpet and is like... Uh, like, there is all of this... Like, my apartment's been smashed to shit around me. My TV's been thrown out of the window, but... I can just kind of lay down here and know that I'm on my own and it's just just have, yeah. a, have a moment just of peaceful. peace that I haven't been able to have for a long time. Um, so yeah, we then we then cut back to the prison. Cletus is going to be killed by lethal injection, which, and even in a movie as, as, as dumb as this, James, I just need to pause for a second to go. It's fucking barbaric that this still happens. I yeah, can't, right? It, like... The the most evil person in the world. What are we doing here? Like what what are we doing? Why why are we why are there states that still Yeah, I sort okay. of oh, it just I remember like when it was happening in the movie, I was like, Oh, you know, because I guess it's like cause Alcatraz is still open or something. I was like, Oh no, wait, this is just a thing that happens in America. Like Well, this is this is literally San Quentin, isn't it? As uh... yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because we get as 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 Cletus escapes, he does a little. Uh, he does Johnny Cash's San Quentin with a little <laughs> carnage riff on it. I really, I, yeah. I, I, I thought that was fun as well, James. Again, so, crazy like that can't have been in the script. It just can't have been. <laughs> it was. I liked it. It um, was fun, but. <laughs> so I think the 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 implication here is that it is that it's a mix of the chemicals in the lethal injection and the bitter venom that is in that is mm. now in Cletus's blood that kind of merges together and creates carnage. Yeah. And he's a red symbiote and later in the movie <laughs> that uh, is a red one. <laughs> yeah, that's a red one. That's bad, Eddie. We <laughs> we will die. <laughs> <laughs> It really is funny this movie, right? It's really Tom Hardy's delivery. It's it's like he it's like he took the Bane nonsense and went. What if I was de- <laughs> what if I was deliberately trying to be funny with this, right? And he is. It's re- ah. The yeah. thing the thing that cracks me up about all of Venom's lines is that like they feel unscripted. Yeah, but they're also being delivered by someone who's not like a writer. So they all have this weird cadence and this weird, like, these, just this weird language. Like, it doesn't feel like movie dialogue. No, yeah, yeah. Like, him saying, that is a red one. And you're like, what What do you mean, that's a red one? Like, no writer would ever write the line, that is a red one. Yeah, because you're like, all right, are we going to get into symbi- some symbiote lore? Or, like, why? Yeah. Like, are, are there red ones on his planet that are more powerful? What is more What is more powerful? Oh, that's a red one. That bad Eddie. Yeah. We both <laughs> die now. <laughs> it just, I can't, I can't imagine what the process was here <laughs> this is kind of what i mean about how it's like a, a better undercutting of the superhero movie than deadpool is 
because it just it reduces everything down to its like most basic elements. Yeah, and he's like, and just, he doesn't give you any lore. He just goes, no, red ones are bad. Red yeah. ones will kill us. Red one bad. Red one more powerful. Uh, yeah. uh, you do you understand this audience? Immediately turns into a massive coward. <laughs> yes. <laughs> does it? Does the uh, does the Hulk in Infinity War thing? Yeah. He's like, oh no, we should leave. <laughs> yeah well we all get to that bit so yeah the, the, there's then a big um a, a big carnage action sequence which you know again this is where i'm fully glazing over james but i'm sure yeah. right i i'm sh- this movie's done really well at box office i'm sure there is a calculation in this of going well let's but let's throw all of our budget at this right let's throw all of our budget at carnage doing a, a massive chaotic escape from the prison and just causing all of the destruction because some of our audience is going to be here for that. Mm-hmm. They still do want to see the badass symbiote action. Yeah, like I'm, I'm not going to lie. When I, you know, if I go and see a movie called Carnage, I want him to see him doing his big axe hand, and I want to see him fly, firing his darts at people because that's what Carnage does. All right, so all of that, you know. <laughs> I, I genuinely forgotten. I like. I now do remember the darts, and I remember the being weird stuff with his hands. But I didn't. Yeah. 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 It 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 didn't stick with me. Yeah. You know, I only need to see that once. <laughs> so, Cletus escapes from San Quentin, and he's he's now got Carnage with him, and they have a very brief chat in the <laughs> really brief. It's like. He like Cletus just accepts this, you know, as quickly as they want the audience to accept it. Cletus is just like, sure, I'm alive because I've got a symbiote now, and we're going to escape. And oh, what's that? You want to get you want to get revenge on Venom? Okay, I want to get revenge on Eddie. And um, let's go get my girlfriend. And can we can we get my girlfriend first? And he's like, all right, we're sure, whatever. Um, and. Eddie finds out that this has happened and is uh, understandably a bit freaked out because he has nothing to he has nothing to protect him now because Venom's gone. Um, <laughs> meanwhile, Venom <laughs> Venom is hitting the town. <laughs> in this whole sequence, this is the wildest sequence in the movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so Venom has hopped between various different bodies. Has, has has literally flipped a symbiote bird at um at Eddie on the way out the door, um has got has got down to the other end of town, and he um <laughs> he finds a nightclub that's having some kind of like costume party. Is uh, it even a costume party? I just got the impression they were just you know it was uh. Well, it's. I think it's. I think it's very clearly a gay club, right? Is or am it? I am I projecting onto that? I don't know. I did. It's that very, didn't strike me as. It's certainly very alternative. Yeah, it's and... just like an alternative. You know, sort of. Uh, I'm trying to think what the subgenre is. Like a cyber goth sort of club. Yeah, pe- people are dressed flamboyantly and venom walking in as venom doesn't it's just people are like <laughs> oh wow how did you do that and he's like oh hey my people um 
And he's walking around this place, letting his freak flag fly and um, having a great time and decides to walk up onto the stage, James, grabs the mic and just talks to the audience about like, just very earnestly about the connection that he's made here today. And it's all this stuff like, he says, oh, I'm coming out of the Eddie closet. I I am here and I realise... Eddie did not want me to be who I could be. And here I see people who embrace me. And... (laughs) What the fuck is going on? Do you know, like... (laughs) This whole sequence, do you know why it exists? Go on. It's because Little Sims, who is the artist in the the, uh, scene, who she's like a, you know, collaborator with gorillas and stuff is how I know her. But... She did a song called Venom, which is not anything related to the film Venom. Okay. But I think Tom Hardy brought it to Andy Serkis and was like, oh, we, we should... should put her in the movie. Yeah. And they went, yeah, sure, let's put, her, let's put her in the movie. And this was their excuse to have Little Sims in the film. Which, you know, uh, that's fine. But uh, I guess the, the, the it could have just been Venom walking through a, through a club. But he... <laughs> I d- again, I, I don't. Maybe, maybe I've made the gay club connection because there is, there is, you know, the specific coming out language. I mean that. Yeah, you can't that deny. Feels, it feels deliberate that he's saying, yeah. "I'm having my," you know, and it's coming out of Eddie. That Eddie is the closet that he's come out of. <laughs> yeah, like you can't deny that the choice of language in that scene was there for a reason. And he literally drops the mic. I <laughs> yeah, like one does. doesn't like one person from the audience shout out "I love you" and he goes, "Oh, thanks, love you too." <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, oh, it's wild. I I was yeah I was having a hoot during this entire sequence. <laughs> um, so meanwhile, then Eddie has realised, oh shit, I'm in trouble. Cletus is out, and it sounds like he's now got a symbiote, and it's my fault. Um, Eddie does some digging and figures out that, uh, and and like, does some investigation work that help that that prompts Mulligan to realize that, uh, that Shriek the, is alive. That Shriek is alive, and that and that uh, Carnage has gone to get Shriek, and that's the reason he hasn't come for Eddie yet. And then, um, and then he arrests. Why does he arrest Eddie then? I can't remember. But Mulligan brings Eddie in, doesn't he? Yeah. Why does he bring him in? I don't remember. Anyway, he takes him to the police station and he's like, look, I don't trust you, Brock, all of these things that keep happening around you. Literally the <laughs> stuff that, that that he said earlier in the movie. He's yeah. like, well, you, I know there's something you're not telling me. What is it? And he's like, uh, right, if I'm under questioning, I want my phone call. So he phones Anne. Anne turns up. With uh, with Dan in tow, <laughs> and he's like, "Look, Anne, I need you to go find Venom. He's out there without me, but there's another symbiote. And I, can you just go and find him and bring him to me?" <laughs> so Anne goes. So Anne goes off to find Venom after after having told Dan that she would that he wouldn't have to deal with any symbiotes. <laughs> no, no, no more symbiotes. Yeah. <laughs> and then she's like, "No, no, they're still just just Venom. <laughs> yeah. There's no more other than Venom." <laughs> 
So she goes off into town and she's like, all right, the first place I'm going to check is this is this little um, this little corner store. Um, yeah, where Venom has gone. Where Venom, where, where Venom has been he's buying... He's starving, yeah. He, so he buys his chocolate from there. So And when he is struggling to... So, it also, the implication I thought, James, was that the guy that he had... Uh, that he had merged with that he and Venom had probably had quite an enjoyable night and probably drunk quite a lot of booze as well <laughs> and that now uh, uh, like uh, Venom had had a big one needed to feed and turns up at the at the store well he... isn't hang on hang on isn't isn't like the implication that Venom can't survive in other people right because well, when he is... gets to the club the there is that is... as well yeah yeah, the guy he's bonded with it immediately collapses and like starts foaming at the mouth or whatever as soon as Venom leaves. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, the, they they turn up in the shop in a similar state. Yeah, I, but I I did also think that Venom had probably enjoyed himself too much at the party. <laughs> but anyway, so he then uh, he then bonds with Mrs. Chen from from the convenience store. Um, which we find out when um, <laughs> when Michelle Williams turns up there and like straight away is like, oh, Venom, I know you in there, you little shit. Yeah. And I again, I love that sequence where Venom's eyes pop out from Mrs. Chen. And I thought she was really great in this sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, like, like I thought she was kind of like the version of the, you know, like the is it is it Blind Al in. Deadpool, yeah, yeah. but yeah. like, but like, less deliberately kind of like edge lordy. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I thought she was really funny, and and Michelle Williams basically convinces Venom, like, look, come with me. I need you to help Eddie out because he's in trouble, and I will get him. To, I will get him to apologize to you. Uh, <laughs> then. <laughs> We literally see that scene play out, James, and it's very funny. I don't know, I don't know what more to say. Like um, Eddie grovels to Venom, and Venom is like, "Okay, <laughs> we can be friends again." Yeah. Um, and so yeah, so they make friends, and then um, Cletus takes Mulligan hostage. And then they go to try and find Eddie. Can't find him, but find Anne. So they take Anne hostage as well. And then they go to this cathedral to get married by Reese Shearsmith. Hmm. <laughs> some uh, James, sure, why not? <laughs> uh, some some really did you did you spot Scroobius Pip? I in... did spot Scroobius Pip. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, what's so? so Why some... is he in a cell? So Scroobius Pip is one of the yeah he's in a cell at the at Ravens whatever uh, Ravencroft yeah Ravencroft uh, so he's there Rishi Smith turns up as the um, as the guy officiating the wedding as the as the father mm-hmm. um, there's um, randomly the 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 actress that's on the toilet at the start of the movie when Eddie and Venom are arguing in the toilet is someone from Holby City. <laughs> um, Tell me you filmed in the UK without telling me you filmed in the UK. Well, I don't I don't even know if they did or whether it's just that it's like, uh, you it's know... Just, it might just be his mates, yeah, from when he was in... Uh, well, and, and Andy Serkis. In... 
Yeah, yeah. Oh no, it, it it did also film in the UK. Yeah, in Hertfordshire. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just there looking on the Wikipedia. Or some of it, some of it did, and some of some of it was San Francisco. Some of it was was Hertfordshire. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can guess which bits. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think I probably can too. Um, yeah, and there's isn't there some well, and then it also just struck me that you know in the, in that primary cast you've got Stephen Graham, Naomi Harris, and Tom Hardy, all <laughs> all Brits playing Americans. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but yeah, Reece Shearsmith was the one that really tipped me over to be like, <laughs> is anyone in this film American? <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. It's just uh, the, the, again the last movie that I was expecting him to turn up in would, yeah. would have been. Um, because they don't even really give him like he's kind of funny in a flustered way, but they don't give him stuff specifically. To yeah, be it's funny not like with. it's Reese Reese Shearsmith humor going on there. It feels like it's more of an in joke for Circus and Hardy than it does for anyone else. Yeah, than, than it does for the audience. <laughs> um, but yeah, they go to the church and then they they're gonna get married and they and they draw out Venom to come and save Anne. Um, and then yeah, there's all of that. There's a all big that fucking CGI fight. <laughs> big CGI fight, and then uh, there's the stuff we talked about with that you is know, a red one. Venom being scared, and the the great se- se- sequence where like Woody Harrelson's like, "What what's going on?" And and <laughs> somebody's like, "Yeah, give me a minute. Come on, this yeah. will be fine." <laughs> um, so yeah, Venom and Carnage get to fight each other in the church, and then you're like, okay. Shriek, who has a literal superpower, is just fighting Stephen Graham. Yeah, well, she can't use her superpower on Carnage, otherwise he'll kill her. Yeah, and so then I guess that's the that's the added wrinkle in the third act, which is Carnage is like, fuck this woman, she's a danger to me. Um, I'm just gonna kill her as well, and then Carnage, and then Pletus is like, no, 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 you can't kill Shriek. Um, and that kind of divisiveness within Carnage Cletus uh, is what inspires Venom and Eddie to be like, hey, yeah. look, we are actually... <laughs> it doesn't, like, it he's, doesn't matter he's that he's symbiote, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, they're not working together like we are. Yeah. And then, it, but then even after that, Carnage kind of mostly gets the up hand over Venom. <laughs> yeah. um, I did kind of, I think the one bit of like action... Uh, the design or the idea behind it that I liked was like that when there is that final kind of showdown between all of them and they all plummet from the roof of the building mm-hmm. uh, that Venom kind of jumps out of Eddie to and then through Dan and Anne and then back into Eddie to catch him just as he's about to hit the ground yeah, and, yeah. and saves him whereas um Cletus and Carnage are separated and just kind of both slam to the ground. Um and then a big bell falls on Shriek. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't yep, say so I, much I, I, there was I did find a lot of that hard to follow actually what was actually happening in that final Again, action. Same sequence. as in the first movie, like the the design of the symbiotes is so sprawling and weird. That you have real trouble focusing on what's actually happening and what the characters are doing. But even like the even the shriek stuff, like I couldn't like when she so she screamed intentionally, which kind of sent everything crashing down. And then the bell was falling on her, and and she screamed at it again. And I thought, oh, is she like 
is that is her scream going to be powerful enough to like fire stuff back up? And it was like, oh no, the bell just fell on her. I think I think when she's falling the second time, the scream is sort of unintentional. She's just screaming because she's falling. I okay. think that's how I read it anyway. Yeah, it's 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 not the part of the movie that I was interested in, James. No, <laughs> um, I agree. So yeah, that the. Uh, Shriek dies, and then um, Venom walks over to Carnage, just fucking eats him. <laughs> that was one of my favourite bits of the film, is when <laughs> he's holding Carnage. What's he say? There's something... Tom Hardy's like sort of talking him through like his thought process or something, and then Venom's just like, nah, fuck this guy, and just bites his head off. Well, no, that's that's it. It's um, it's So he's eaten Carnage... And then mm-hmm. he walks over to Cletus, and Cletus is like, "That was the thing. That was what you didn't understand, Eddie. Was I just want? Yeah, I, yeah. I wanted you to be my friend." And it's like, and and it's like you see that half of Eddie's face and half of Venom's, and Eddie's like, yeah, "Well, like, yeah, I think what you're, what you kind of feel like Eddie's about to say is that uh, that that doesn't really excuse any of the kind of like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the serial that did killing. not come across." Um. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't really feel. And and yeah. Venom just like kind of takes back control and goes. I think he literally just goes fuck this guy. Yeah. And he then does bi- literally say yeah fuck this guy. And then bites his head off. The thing again, like one of the funniest things I've seen in a superhero movie, because normally in a superhero movie, like you'll have the hero will have the serial killer guy, and just be like, no, you're going to jail. <laughs> yeah. And there's something sort of funny about like having the moment of just going like you know what i can finish this off now it's probably best if i do yeah. and just it's like this guy it's like you were saying earlier it's kind of clean as well to just go and that's carnage it's done we're, we yeah we, you don't need to worry about whether we're gonna do he's not gonna come again back. yeah he's it's not just, gonna be in the sinister six yeah we've we've he's we've, just dead we've finished that's fine um and I didn't need to see Carnage again, so I was I was cool with that decision yeah. at least from a from a drawing a line under things. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, Dan and Anne go off together. They're they're happy, and then <laughs> Eddie Eddie <laughs> Eddie and Venom go and see Sonny and Cher. <laughs> <laughs> they released them, yeah. Well, no, so they'd been released, but then they, I I, I oh, saw yeah, that yeah. I saw that more as they were going back to like say to, goodbye. Well, either say goodbye or, like, bring them with them. What's the... He references some, like... Don Quixote. So yeah, Don Quixote, So yeah. they're in front of some statue that must be in San Francisco, and he's talking about Don Quixote and Sancho and how they... Sancho and Panza, yeah. Yeah, and, and how that they didn't always get on, but they made a great team. And then, like... <laughs> and then, again, there's one of those classic Venom lines that doesn't seem to really make sense in the context of that scene, but what makes it clear is... We're ending this Don Quixote chat now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shut up, Eddie. <laughs> um, and what they agree is that they're going to take a vacation and ponder their next steps. Cut to Venom on the beach feeling the sand beneath between his toes. Yeah, which was something you referenced earlier. Yeah. Did, did you clock the music in the scene? Uh, yes, it was... <laughs> um, 
It was oh god, what was it? Because I did. It was like it. a Calypso version of Level Terrors Apart. Yes, Level Terrors Apart. That was it. When yes. I noticed that, probably yeah. one of the top three laughs of the entire film for me was when I realised what music they were playing. Yeah, ah, uh, yeah, that, that I thought that was really funny. <laughs> um, and yeah, they're sat, they're sat on a beach, looking out into the sunset at the sea, and it's just like, and and then. Venom tells Eddie that he loves him. Yeah. And the and 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 they've reached a point of understanding where they are just like yeah, we are we're actually quite good together. Let's try and let's try and make the best of this. <laughs> I thought it was yeah. I thought it was weirdly <laughs> sweet James. <laughs> but like I say Venom's got like Venom the symbiote has this weird sentimentality to him. Yeah. I can buy it. I can buy it would have come from that character. Yeah. Okay, should we cut to the mid credits? Uh I just I just quickly before we get to the meaty bit. Mm-hmm. There are two things in this film that I want to highlight. Great, okay. Um okay. one oh, can I only remember one of them now? Damn. <laughs> uh I know two, yeah. So one is one is there's a bit in this film where uh Woody Harrelson says like how every supervillain or every superhero needs an origin story. Did you catch that? Because when I was in the cinema, it was with a friend of the podcast, Mike Leader, yeah. and he said, "Every every superhero needs an origin story." And me and Mike just looked at each other like, "What the fuck? What? Like, how did they leave that in the movie? <laughs> origin? <laughs> like, have you not heard English before, Woody Harrelson?" I don't know if I clocked that. Yeah, an origin story. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, I can I can completely understand how it got left in. Yeah, because <laughs> they went well. Let's not ask, ask him to do another take because you know it's Woody Harrelson. Um, he's got and the other the other bit is he's how he's got weed to smoke, and we all know. <laughs> <laughs> I like how I love how um, Venom spends the whole film going like, oh, I want to be a superhero. I want to be the lethal protector." But every time he does anything as Venom, there's like a whirlwind of destruction in his wake. Like, even when they save that woman, he like smashes up half a building and like chucks a guy in a dumpster. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just (laughs) There's no way for him to be subtle and be a superhero, which again is like... And like when he climbs, when, he, yeah, when he's climbing away at the end, and there are just bricks crumbling. Yeah, the yeah, wall. bricks like flying out the wall. Yeah, it's like a deconstruction yeah. of superhero movies to say like, now if you actually could run at walls, this is what would happen. <laughs> like you would just tear buildings to bits simply by trying. And like, and and the the woman who he saves doesn't want to. Yeah, and she's like, she, she's no, like, you're a terrifying you monster. You are horrifying. <laughs> Um, and and then there is that that uh, exchange at the end as well about him wanting a mask and a cape and Eddie being like, I I think you've got that shit covered already. I don't yeah, think yeah. you need to worry about those kind of accoutrements. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, James. So uh, mid credit scene. First question: Had you had this spoiled for you by America? Uh, something had been spoiled for me. Yeah. Yeah, I found it. I found it very frustrating. Uh, the like a very self-satisfied um, way of spoiling this movie from some people online, 
which was whilst uh, the way I saw it was whilst people were reporting uh, box office numbers and saying that makes it the eighth biggest opening for an MCU movie and then just mm. sitting on that and waiting on someone replied to them and said Venom's not Venom's, in the MCU because you know that's the movie. that's the kind of mistake that people make yeah with that kind of stuff all the time and going isn't it Ooh, yeah. winky winky you'll just have to wait and see it's like uh, right, thanks so, for spoiling that dipshits uh, yeah I'm like I haven't read specifically what that is but I can't think of anything else that it could be. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there's two there's two versions that this could have been, right? It could have been that Venom was always part of the same universe as Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Yeah. That felt unlikely. Um, yeah. uh, so what it is instead is... So Venom and Eddie are talking about, like, that, the, you know, that the Venom actually has this whole history that, that that Eddie doesn't know about and he has all of this knowledge from when he was part of the symbiote hive and has and knows about other universes uh, and he's like all right I'm going to show you a bit of it and then the room goes all weird and Venom's like mm, this isn't me and Eddie is su- suddenly he's like in the same hotel room but it's a, it's now daytime rather than nighttime and the TV turns on and it's um, J. Jonah Jameson talking about uh, Peter Parker being Spider-Man and then it cuts to a a picture of Tom Holland's Spider-Man on the screen with James the heavy implication being that Venom has been sucked into the MCU in Mm -hmm. much the same way that you would imagine uh, Doctor Octopus and Electro etc are going to be in in yeah. No Way Home. So actually, what it it does make me wonder actually. So I think you know, as 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 kind of dominoes start to fall with No Way Home, is if if they want kind of like a clean start with Spider Man, should the uh, you know should the Marvel deal end which you know is potentially about to mm-hmm. that you've established that the universe that your other big hit property is in is in a different universe and spider-man and maybe you know supporting characters could be sucked back there at the end of no way home or, a, or in a different movie maybe mm-hmm. um you know kind of kind of like i guess it's probably never going to be clean, but kind of like when when I was reading when it, when I read Secret Wars, <laughs> and at the end of that they were like, "Oh, okay, uh, Miles Morales is now yeah. we're killing off the Ultimate Universe. We're killing we off the Ultimate Universe. Into the regular Universe. He needs to be in the regular Universe, and actually, so do some of the characters from his yeah, life. So does some of his cast. So, um, so they're just in there now because yeah, uh, because I think. Franklin Richards made it so. Um, yeah. And I did wonder that, you know, that's probably the cleaner exit. Um, meanwhile, I think, you know, also confirmed Venom is going to be in No Way Home. Yeah. And I, I, I never thought I would say this, but the prospect of this Venom interacting with that Spider-Man doesn't really intrigue or interest me because I think it's just... Two, they're two disparate takes 
and anything that is good about this venom can't be preserved if you put him in opposite tom holland and expect to get any performance that matches <laughs> either of their like you know realities you see i think i was more on board with the idea just because i was like i want to see how that character how that character is able to function in a full-on mcu movie and like i i kind i hope it's not just that venom is is an extra villain to add to the to the mill in in no way home and that it is more maybe here is someone that can help him understand things. In, I don't think you want Tom Hardy in more than a scene or two of that movie. Here's here's what I think is going to happen. All the Spider-Man villains are going to team up in some kind of Sinister Six situation. And they're going to beat the crap out of Tom Holland. And then the other two Spider-Men are going to save him. But do you think Venom is one of that Sinister Six? Yeah, because... Like Toby Maguire is going to be like, he's a symbiote. I fought Venom. I know how to beat him. Here's here's what you need to do. I don't think we're going to get a lot of Tom Hardy. I think we'll just get a bit of Venom. Yeah. I mean that doesn't sound fun for Venom. <laughs> no. Um... But this is like I I just I can't see unless you make a Venom movie, unless you make it a Venom movie. Like, how are you going to get those two characters to have any relationship? It just doesn't doesn't make sense to me. But I guess... I'm sure I it's possible. Like, yeah. I doubt they'd have done this on a whim. I'm sure they were planning for this well in advance of this happening. But yeah, I don't know. It's funny. Uh, the, do you remember the post-credit sequence on Venom the first time around was a cut scene from spider-man into the spider-verse and it said yeah. it said meanwhile in a different you know in a different universe, multi- yeah. different universe um oh god that's the cameo that i would love to see in no way <laughs> like do you think do you think they would put an animated character in there nah i want that movie to go hog wild but i don't think it will uh, but this what? but this is this is already something that i think is a bit more fun i also um Venom, like there be carnage, is not an MCU movie. <laughs> it's, it's, no. Um, it, did you also notice that I don't know if they've done this before, but the credit at the start is like in as like associate in association with Marvel. Mm-hmm. I did see that. Which I I seem to I, I'm sure in the past it just has a Marvel logo. It just doesn't have a Marvel Studios logo. Yeah, that's what normally happens, and it didn't mm. happen in this one. So I assume it's a product of Sony's New Deal, and we'll see the same credit in front of Morbius. Yeah, that movie's still happening, isn't it? Yep. Yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, listen, James, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how they handle Venom in that movie. <laughs> Me too. I, I hope it's, I hope it is not just as pure antagonist. I hope it is more like Venom turns up and yeah, it's like, ah, oh, shit, Venom, look at this guy, and he's like, what? I want to be lethal protector. <laughs> I, no, I think I think Venom's going to turn up trying to be friendly and they're going to beat the crap out of him because he's Venom. Oh, I'll be sad if that happens. <laughs> and then that's why in Venom 3, which will be Venom versus Spider-Man. No, I don't think that will be. I just, I don't, <laughs> that doesn't see, that, that doesn't seem to me to be how they're positioning that character. No, no, I was, I was being facetious. But like, I, I, and I think it would be much more fun 
if you know if the final act of um far from no way home god i'll never be able to do it <laughs> if the final act of no way home is um you know uh, peter parker teaming up with the other peter parkers and venom and maybe a miles morales you know I like. I just. I like. I would rather. I'd rather that that it's like. Oh right, we we create a sinister six of Spider Men to fight back, and that yeah. and, and in this in this context, Venom is one of them. Maybe. I mean, whatever happens, this this I think was inevitable from the moment that Venom did massive business. Yeah, and you know the renegotiated deal with. Marvel seemed clear to me that the reason Spider-Man got put back in the MCU is because they went, okay, but we want him in our Venom movie next. Or we want to we want to cross over with Venom, so make that happen. Hmm. Listen, James, I had a hoot watching this movie. I had a hoot talking about it, and um, uh, I, you know. I'm happy that there's not going to be any carnage again, but I'm very hopeful there is more venom. Yeah, I think let's let's try and put Tom Hardy in an actually good movie doing the venom performance. Again, it's indeed possible. I don't think it's possible. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, fair. fair. Any final any final thoughts apart from that, James? Or should we? uh... Uh, Just that. The the Venom performance and the Venom movies are quite unlike any Venom comics you can get. But if you want to read something off the back of this, go and read Venom: The Hunger. Okay, it's a four-issue miniseries. And is that is that the one where? That's the one. The love brain eating stuff. Yeah, the love. Yeah. One. Okay, that's the one that you've mentioned that I feel like I'm most likely to ever read. Yeah. Yeah. Right, James, uh, we don't have any Reese this week, so uh, we we will skip the pitch. Uh, so <laughs> maybe we just we get credited with a win each? Sure. Sure. We're, we're, we've got the power here. We're, yeah. we're all winners today. Um, <laughs> no, you're losers, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> I need a win after losing on the Patreon quiz. So. Um, yeah, oh, oh. James, seamless segue then into our Patreon <laughs> plug, which is head to patreon.com forward slash cinematic universe if you if you want to hear those uh, bonus episodes we do. You can subscribe for $3 a month to get a weekly uh, bonus episode. Uh, James and I have just done our second quiz, uh, which are really fun to do, and we are going to be in the upcoming weeks talking about the um, Matt Fraction and, uh, well, what is it, Alexandra Ayer? David Ayer. David Ayer. Is Alexandra Ayer a... That's a director, isn't it? Possibly. I think that's a movie director. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take your word for it. I'm just putting it into IMDb. Uh, Maybe not. Nothing's come up. No, Alexandra Ayer. Yeah, he directed uh, Switchblade Romance. Yeah, that's him. Um... I've completely lost my train of thought. Uh, but yeah, we're going to be talking about the Fraction and I had uh, Hawkeye comics on the Patreon feed before Hawkeye debuts. And obviously we'll be going back to weekly recaps of that when it does. Um, if you're enjoying, if you enjoyed this episode and you enjoy all of the stuff on the main feed, then uh, please do subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Throw us a lovely rating. If you want to find us on Twitter, we are at Cine underscore verse. I'm at Joe Cunningham 14 and James is at James Hunt. 
you can email us at podcast at cinematicuniverse.com. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Goodbye. Yeah,